The information in this podcast is not legal advice and should not be construed as such. It is for informational and educational purposes only. Welcome to Resource Sessions. I'm Gwendolyn Stirk of Stirk Family Law, and I have the honor and privilege to have my friend, Dr. Sue Denk, with us today. Hi, Sue. How are you today? Hey, I'm great, Gwen. How about you? Good, thanks. You know, I have known you for many years. You've done great work as a therapist and a counselor to many of our clients and people along life's journey. But I know you're engaged in a lot of additional endeavors. One of them is your new book entitled The Secret Child, Life After Loss. So tell us, Dr. Sue, what is the history? Why write this particular book? This book was born out of a trip to Nantucket believe it or not. My co-author, Brenda Pierce, and I ended up in the back end of a Toyota seven-seater SUV as we drove from Boston Airport to Nantucket. And uh, we claimed the back seats because we both have long legs, believe it or not. But while we were talking amongst the luggage and everything, we found out that we really had a lot in common. And one thing that we had in common was that we had both, both lost a child. Okay. And um, it seemed to be something that we both put in the back of our heads. And as we got to be really, really good friends, we realized that we needed to write a book about this. Sure. That this book needed to be written. That we wanted to have a way for not only us, but for other parents of loss to share the legacy of their child. It's very so, interesting. Yeah, because it is kind of written in that story or the tale like of this is our experience. What is it that you hope that the reader will glean from it and be able to take away? Hope. Hope in the fact that our children never meant to hurt us. And that we are now their voice, their breath, and their legacy. And that they do, in fact, they existed and they live on. And it's interesting because there can be so many different ways that you can suffer that loss. So you see that to get pop, hope and to be able to be their voice. Give me an example of what you mean by being your child's voice after a loss. Well, some parents find a cause that they they can support, like uh, maybe childhood cancer or one of the authors in the book. Um, her son was killed by a hit and run. He was actually T-boned by a police chase. And um, he was not, he was an innocent party in it. And the party that was fleeing is the one that hit him and killed him. Well, they have done a lot of work around safe police chases in St. Louis. So now some of the laws have been changed as a result of their work. And they do that in honor of their son, Christopher. So that's just one way. Yeah. And no matter what type of loss it is, you can certainly, being the voice is an interesting um, concept. What does being the voice for the child help the parent who suffered the loss do? Does it you know, help the state? What, yeah, is, what is it? Yeah, you know, Gwen, what it does really is um, it brings the parent closer to the child and it can give some resolution that their death was not pointless their death was not in vain, that there was a reason for for their death. Right. You know, and I know that you believe it too, that there's a reason for everything. And sometimes we don't see it on the surface. So I think sometimes people go through struggles and they're grieving, but they never 
turn it into something good or something positive. Is that the hope with this book? That is absolutely the hope with this book. This book is part of a series, by the way, and we truly hope to have books where we have just a whole series of The Secret Child with Fathers of Loss, because they are the very, very unheard population. We'd like to have, you know, grandparents of loss and different, different areas where loss occurs. And by the way, The Secret Child title was taken from the fact of how many times do parents of loss, they find, they find themselves at a loss of saying, how many children do you have? Well, I have three, but in reality, they might have had four. So there's that secret that surrounds the loss, especially in like terms of miscarriage and stillbirth. Sure. There is that secret, and we don't want these children to be a secret anymore. Just have the ability to talk about the child and be able to make them part of you, right? Right, right. To celebrate like their their birth, their date of, you know, having birthdays and everything. People find celebrations around um, what they've done. They'll celebrate like the holiday that the child really loved, you know, or they'll participate annually in a picnic for their cause. Got it. Or they'll, they'll, raise, they'll raise funds for a special cause. You know, I'm sure it's very difficult, though, for some parents out there to find that voice. And they're so stuck in their grieving and they don't want to talk about it. What's really the first step? Um, probably to get therapy for it. You know, I mean, you would expect me to say that. I know, but it's the truth. It's the truth that getting therapy, a good therapist is going to allow them to be comfortable with saying their child's name again. That's often one of the first steps, you know, and to acknowledge, pardon me? A step towards you. To, to acknowledge that they existed, to acknowledge that they're hurt, and to often realize that forgiving the circumstances that surround the child's death doesn't mean that you have forgotten that child. Understood, right. Yeah, it means that you will no longer be in the grave with your child. You will live on. You know, and I think a lot of people don't even understand, and as a divorce attorney, we see that a loss of a child can often lead to divorce. You know, you can't put your finger on what item maybe that caused a divorce, but you certainly see those circumstances. How does it affect if you don't get this help and get therapy and start dealing with you know, the secret child and start talking about it and moving forward. What are the impacts on your life? Well, sometimes, well, let's, let's be really honest. Men and women grieve differently, which is the result of why they end up in your, oftentimes a woman will grieve within herself, yeah. you know, and she'll, she'll just keep that in where a man, he's going to get busy. He's going to get over it and he's going to move on until one day it hits him. And then that's going to be a whole different grief cycle for him. Right. So, you know, he might appear as he didn't care. She might appear as nothing else matters in the world besides that child. So it just, it just builds a big gap between people. Yeah. Now, you know, somebody you're saying should start with dealing with mental health, try to get answers. Obviously, you know, having read the book myself, 
reaching out and reading this book can help you relate and help you find a cause or some kind of voice for that child. What else do you recommend to people to look at to do with regard to this situation? You know what, they might want to reach out to their hospital, local hospital or something, or even maybe um, somebody like yourself, a family law attorney that has lots and lots of resources to direct them to a support group, a support group for loss. They can go to a funeral home. They can go to um, a family law attorney. They can go to a hospital, any any area that they can find a support group might be very beneficial because what it does is it helps them know they aren't the only ones. Sure. So, you know, you're reading the book and you hear stories from other parents and, and things and that people have suffered. How did you come about to identify these people to tell these stories when you wrote this book? Well, we received a lot of, a lot of uh, requests to be put in the book. And we felt that we wanted a wide variety of, um, of ways that children passed. And we wanted a lot of ages in our first, uh, in our first book. You know, okay. we intended, our second book was supposed to, is supposed to be entitled, is going to be entitled, you know, Little Hearts. Okay. And that's going to be the youngest of the young. And we'll go on. With that, you know, if if we feel that there's a need, we'll go on. But I really feel like, given what we've got going on in today's society, that this book is going to be a much needed book. I really do. It's going to be a great resource. Tell me how you think what's going on in society affects how people are grieving with loss, especially the loss of a child. I think that many people are isolated, truly isolated, and I think the loss of their child is an isolatory event anyway. Sure. But let's add the fact that there are so many people that have, they've been restricted, they've been locked up, they've been locked down, however you want to put it, and they've been isolated. So I, it gives me cause to wonder how many children have come and gone in that time and nobody speaks their name, nobody even mentions that they were here because people, you know, they didn't have the support of everybody. Right. And sometimes the loss of a child and something that brought to mind as I was considering today's conversation, the loss of a child isn't limited just to death, is it? No. Right. No. The loss of a child. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty insightful. Yeah. Um, there, there's so many different ways. There are people, there are children that become estranged. There are children that leave, the country, there's there's so many different ways that you can lose your child. And that loss is palpable. Right. You know, it's the same thing as a death. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, I do think that those situations arise. And, you know, they always tell the story, you know, there is a secret in every family structure, right? And mm -hmm. I'm reading and considering this, I'm thinking, what is that secret loss? Because I think probably every family has that loss to some dimension. I think that would be a really, really great thing to do, even um, an open podcast on it, like something that's open mic and invite people to join in. That it would be amazing to do that, to give them voice and to allow them to talk about that loss. Right. You know, and I think that sometimes a death is an identifiable loss that can come over, but it's hard because you grieve it. And like you say, you just push up the rug, you put it underneath it and you hide it. Right. That's the secret. Mm -hmm. that's, that's very much the secret, the secret child. How many children do you have? 
well, I have two. No, wait, I have three. You know, where I had three and now I have two. And it's not somebody that we talk about all the time. But, you know, the loss knows no culture. It knows no boundaries of uh, social economic status. It knows no boundaries of ages. It's just so across society as a large. Right. It's very interesting. So tell people where they can find your book, what other resources you personally have with your co-author to try to give people the opportunities to go out and start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, everybody on, on this book at the end of their chapter, they did put something that they, they thought that they wanted to support. Um, they can go to the Secret Child Book Series.com. That's our website. And you can get our book on Amazon. It's either on, um, you can either get an audio book or you can get the printed copy. And by the way, we were adamant, both Brenda Pierce and myself, about having a, a uh, printed copy. So many parents of loss don't have anything of their child. They they don't hit, pardon me? It's just interesting to me. Why not? Tell us. Well, okay, take my case, okay? My case is I lost a baby in 1975, a daughter, a stillborn daughter. During that time, they didn't give me a piece of her hair. I didn't have a blanket. I had no proof that she existed except a gravestone that I put on her grave. So what did I have to say, I'm not nuts, I didn't imagine that. I didn't have any of that. The the resources had not been put into place. In 1975, when I lost my child, you were put into a maternity ward with with mothers who had just had their babies. And you were in the same room with somebody who's ooing and owing about, you know, oh, what a beautiful baby. And here you are wishing that you could die. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, so the resources weren't there. So that's why it was so important for us to give parents of loss a book to hold. So whether or not you're a parent of loss or you know somebody who has suffered a loss, I think that this is a really, really good good gift, especially when you don't know what to say. Right. And it is very hard to say, you know, because you can't put yourself totally in that other person's shoes. So no, no. the can't be there to the extent that it should be necessarily right. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, you can say words, but it gives you something to give to them to kind of just say, I understand. Mm-hmm. And the book is always written, Gwen, to let everybody know to acknowledge their pain. That pain is real. And sometimes we live in a society where people want us to put our pain away. Well, you know what? The loss of that child will affect people forever. It doesn't have to be a negative impact, but it will be with you forever. Sure. You know, day by day, you learn how to cope and you learn how to take a deep breath and say, okay, today I can go on. Right. And sometimes that loss has repercussions on other areas of your life, whether it be that you end up in a divorce, whether it be that... It influences what you do for a living, right? I mean, there's so many different areas it can have an impact. There are. And, you know, when you think about it, how about the loss of a child of a sibling to somebody? Maybe they were um, they were the, the second born and now they're the oldest. It just upsets the whole sibship, too. And people don't realize that, you know, like well, one was maybe the middle child. They're now the older child or they're the youngest child. And just the pecking order of the family is just around a whole lot. Right. 
all torn apart. And then different people have different situations. It could be cancer. It could be that your child was, you know, um, gotten in an accident because they were high or taking illegal substances. You know, there's a whole variety of things and you can't harm yourself either and carry that. Right. Right. There's trauma. There's, you know, there's all sorts of little, all sorts of things that, how about suicide today? Sure. You know, we see child suicide at a high rate right now. So, you know, I would like to suggest to people, get help. Just seek somebody out. And if you don't find the right counselor at first, shop around. Sure. Shop around. Everybody's a match, right? It's not a match. And that's not an insult to the counselor or to the individual. No, no. I tell people, if I know, I mean, when I have my very first consult with somebody we talk a while and then I ask them if they can work with me but then I tell them that I also feel I can work with them it needs to be a good fit both ways right to be so, able to and, talk about that yeah and when we know we can work together we really work together and that uh, trust builds absolutely well it's life after loss so finding your life after you've grieved and turning it into something that can be positive that's the message from Dr. Sue Denk today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on.